Yes, hello. I am James and today it's the WNR424. It's WWE Hell in a Cell 2022. But I am not alone. I have a pleasure to be joined by first a woman by my side for every AEW and WWE pay-per-view. It's Jaxi. How you doing? Yes, yes. Hello. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. Happy Hell in a Cell. Well, it's great to have you on board. And as it is now a WNR tradition, this is the third time in a row we are going to be joined by Select Match Type Podcast. And that's Chris and Simon. How have you guys been? Hi, yeah, great. Thanks. How are you guys? Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, it's been a little while. Like I said, it's been a near enough a whole year. What have you guys uh, kind of been up to? So we've actually well, completely changed the uh, the format of the podcast, weirdly enough. Go on, Chris, I'll let you, uh, you explain. Yes, please. Yeah, obviously, while we, while we love select match type and our best of different uh, match types, we felt we, we, deserved a cha- we wa- deserved a change. We thought we'd give the people more of what they wanted. So we have gone back in our very special WWE time machine and brought you 25 to life as we go back 25 years into the past and cover every single pay-per-view as they would have happened year on year, month on month. Wow. Wow. That is really good stuff. So you get to dive into basically stuff that happened uh, at this moment in time. But what, 1997 would it be, if my maths is correct? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it takes some working out every single time, don't worry. Uh, yeah, the one that we've just uh, just recorded and it should be out, well, as we're recording this, it'll be out tomorrow, is King of the Ring 1997. Um, quite a stacked card. You've got Mankind versus Triple H, Shawn Michaels versus Austin, and Farouk as leader of the nation taking on The Undertaker for the title. But The Undertaker's more concerned about some mystery secret. I'm sure that'll never amount to anything, though. I doubt it will, but uh, like I said, it's great to have you back on, and it's interesting to hear about the slight change. Just let you guys know, we've not changed nothing. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I am not. (laughs) If it's not broke. The bare minimum for me on the WNR podcast, but the people who listen accept it. So I suppose it's everybody else that kind of comes on. Uh, And one thing we should talk about actually before we get into Hell in a Cell is that there's big news in the UK. Of course, the clash at the castle, September 3rd. And uh, the dub and I have been talking about it. And, of course, uh, I, I managed to get tickets to it. So Jackson and Gina and I will meet up for the time. But as I forgot, Chris and Sam, you are both from the UK as well. Um, did you manage to have a look at Clash of the uh, Castle, the ticket prices, and did you actually manage to get in as well? I mean, Chris or Sam, you can take that one. Uh, well, I was the one sat, we were both sat on Ticketmaster. I managed to get through to get some uh, £112 tickets, I think they were. Got through to the confirmation, went onto my NatWest app to click uh, approve, and then the transaction failed. Uh, and all of those tickets here had sold out. Um, luckily, I managed to uh, use one of the partner codes the next day and get the same tier ticket. So, um, Chris and I and our friend Aaron will be going. Um, we, we're in the lower tier on the left-hand side of the, the stage as you're looking at it on, on Ticketmaster, if you like. But, yeah, very excited. Um, it was not particularly easy to find a hotel room either for the night, to be honest. It was quite expensive. Well, I'm not, I'm not going to be. 
I actually booked the hotel before the tickets. When they first announced that it was coming to Cardiff, I booked my hotel and I got it for about 120 quid. Um, and then it was of trying to get the tickets. And like you said, I actually went, it locked me out. I had payment for it and it kind of take me away. But I had a kind of brain aneurysm because I was selected three tickets and then realised it was like, Fifteen hundred pounds, and I'm thinking, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this like... wasn't fifteen hundred quid each, I suppose. No. Well, no, but again, the tickets are. I mean, Jackson, the tickets are great. Don't get me wrong, but they are the kind of the, the low but, end. You know. I mean, if, if you did want to just go ahead and pay the fifteen hundred for that, so that <laughs> I can meet Daddy Reigns, then I'm more than happy for you to do that for me, and that would be just great, James. <laughs> well, what's going to be good? I mean, obviously, if Chris and Simon are up for it, they can tell us to go fuck ourselves. If we go up to Clash at the Castle, we can actually meet up uh, with them as well and, and you know, see what yeah. each other's like in person. Obviously, Jax, you and I are going to meet up for the first time with Gina. But, Jax, you're yeah. meeting up with even more people, aren't you? Yes. So, first of all, yes, if um, if you both are interested in meeting us for a drink before uh, things get started, it would be so lovely to meet you both in person. And you get to meet my sister, Gina, uh, my twin sister, who um, has just recently been joining us on the WNR podcast. So she's been doing a lot more podcasting lately, and I'm very excited to be going to this, not only with James, but with her. Um, I also went to on a cruise ship around Norway recently, which was absolutely incredible. Everyone should actually try and do a cruise ship experience at one point, if not for the cruise ship itself, for the the multiple different cities in a country you can go to. It's just amazing and it's beautiful. Um, but I, I just so happened to be wearing my Holy Shida Street Fighter T-shirt um, one day to breakfast and I managed to sit opposite a gentleman who was wearing a CM Punk t-shirt and we both just clocked eyes. And then after that, for a whole hour, I'm sat there with him and his partner talking wrestling. And it turns out he has a twin too. And they both are going to Cardiff as well. So yeah, small world. What are the chances? <laughs> well, that's what they've told you. I keep telling Jaxi this, but <laughs> I'm sure it's true, but I won't believe it till I'm actually there. They are real. I have them on Instagram, okay? I'm not making this up. Well, you've got someone on Instagram, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Is it? I'm so proving yeah. this to you guys that they're real now. I will. I am going to definitely prove it to you. Well, it's when he showed you... Lot of... <laughs> he showed you the picture of the twin. Of stand... <laughs> Sorry, there's a lot of photos when they're standing next to a mirror. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> no, this is it. No, I'm sure, Jaxie. It will be... Look... Okay. Okay. We will, we will oh, be yeah. there just in case, you know, if it takes a turn, we'll, we can have a couple of podcasts there to back you up. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> yeah, meeting a drink, uh, meeting up for a drink before sounds sounds great. Um, I think we'll be getting down for around lunchtime and, um, yeah, there's, there's several bars around Cardiff. Um, but... Definitely. Um, my twin used to actually live in Cardiff for eight years, so she could definitely... Um, recommend best place for us we are both from bristol which is probably about an hour and a half drive away from cardiff so um it's going to be quite easy for us to get up there quite early as well so definitely looking forward to kind of meeting up we'll um we'll send you guys a message um uh i'll let you know which places my sister suggests might be a good uh place to meet yeah sounds great yeah i mean if it really works out and people respond on the emails and stuff we have a little kiosk and do a podcast <laughs> live, you know, yeah. see how much interest there is. 
come and meet your heroes. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah no, I, I put my trousers on like any other guy, you know, one leg at a time. But uh, no, but like I said, it's it's exciting and it's coming up. And apparently, uh, the rumours are there will be two more shows that weekend, a Friday and a Sunday. But SmackDown will be being recorded in America, so there's might be a takeover uh, with an NXT UK, which would be good, or 2.0, which would be bad. But again, I don't know if that would be in Cardiff or they would use Yo2. But then again, that is some travelling people that want to do it. But anyway, we'll move on to the premium live event that we have right now, Hell in a Cell. But we just look back at the raw notes in this past month, of course, since I think WrestleMania backlash for the last time was there. Uh, we got New Hair Edge, Alexa Bliss returned to beat DeVille. To make matter worse, Sonya was fired as an official. We had Ken Owens which was Kevin Owens' brother. See, Jack, so you have to be careful. I almost threw Bobby through a cage. Cody vs. Rollins at SL is set. Uh, but the big news, of course, was uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi walking out of WWE with Raw. Uh, we'll start with Chris. What were your thoughts on this when you first heard it? Because I thought this was part of the storyline. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of rumours swirling around. No one seemed to be sure over whether it was part of the storyline or not. It appears not as the case may be. And to be honest, if they did behave the way that is being said that they did, that they did refuse to go out and do what was asked of them, then I don't blame WWE for suspending them. You can't have your superstars start throwing their way around. They're not Cena. They're not Reigns or Lesnar they are easily replaceable, and they found that out. Yeah, it's interesting, because, Jackson, you thought a little bit differently, didn't you? (laughs) Mike, I just think it's more about, like, the treatment, um, and I think that they're just so fed up with it. I mean, you've got to kind of look at this whole, not just even the women's tag team division, but the the women's division as a whole. Uh, There's... As, as they've said, that there's obvious favourites when it comes to the men. There's obvious favourites when it comes to the women. And it's almost kind of like any woman that's not, you know, remotely in, in the title picture aren't really going to be considered too much when it comes to storyline. Um, it's just disappointing because both Naomi and Sasha are incredible talents. They have so much to give. But I don't feel like WWE had enough trust in them as they do with other wrestlers. Um, uh, and I mean, female wrestlers in that sense. Uh, it, it's just disappointing because I feel like there was so much more that both uh, wrestlers could have given to the company. And it's sad to see that things have gotten this bad that it, they've had to, you know, walk out. Um, I don't agree with a lot of the slack that they're getting. We we don't know what's behind closed doors. We don't know how they're being realistically treated uh, backstage um, and all I could do is just show my continuous support and hope that we actually get to see them again on wrestling content, whether or not that's WWE, I don't know. But it's interesting. I think Chris made a good point or, or you know, in a way where if this was Dewdrop or Nikki Cross doing this, then they would have just been released and it wouldn't have been this kind of hubbub because it is Naomi yeah. and Sasha Banks and they have that kind of thought, especially Sasha Banks has, you know, yeah. then maybe it changes a bit differently it's weird we saw the situation with mjf whether that will be you know like i said work or shoot and how it's impacted this as well but you know to to kind of leave where it's there without any plans especially with the contracts running down as well i mean simon do you think they could sort this situation out or do you think 
this will come to an end with both leaving? I would be surprised if both leave. Um, so just, I, I probably lean more towards um, more towards Chris, but I do understand your, your points um, that you made. But if you look at like, so the most famous example, I guess, from WWE going back what, nearly 20 years now is Steve Austin when he refused to do a job for Lesnar and um, was in a, a, a fairly similar situation. And, if, if someone the sort of star level of Steve Austin can um, be sort of pushed aside and, and they decide it's not um, it's not worth bowing down to his demands, then I, it's unlikely that anyone else is going to, going to be in that situation, I'd suggest. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. We're moving on with Raw. Uh, Zeke beat Gable, sorry, and then Owens challenged into a match at Hell in a Cell. Oscar beat Lynch one week. Following week, big time Bex returned a favour, making it a triple threat match for the women's title. We got a great brawl between Cody and Seth and Bobby Omus, contract signing in shenanigans. And then on to SmackDown, uh, SmackDown notes Rusty, uh, Rousey with a SmackDown championship title, as she calls it, with open challenge to Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, Raquel was one of my favourites in NXT, and this was good. Uh, Moss was attacked by Corbin, and I know people hate this feud. But the attack looked awesome. With that trophy coming down, looking like he um, squashed his neck and a stretcher job as well. Unfortunately, Ricochet is going to be taken out by Volta at some point. We get Max Dupree, a former LA Knight of NXT, with Maxican male models. At least he's got three syllables. And we saw winner-take-all match, RK Bro versus Usos, with Roman Reigns getting involved and Usos winning uh, the championships. Uh, did you see this unification match and what were your thoughts? No, I only saw, I only saw the highlights, to be honest. I don't, SmackDown isn't high on my list of viewing priorities <laughs> nowadays. But, yeah, I mean, what I saw from the highlights was a quality, quality match, but you wouldn't expect anything else from RK Bro and Usos, to be fair. Yeah, and, and I think as well, with the, I think it was the right result because with Randy Orton's injury, whether it will be a little bit storyline, a little bit or not, but I think Riddle these past few weeks as well has kind of been extra motivated, which is always good to see. Uh, Nakamura got Riddle as his partner, uh, but come up short against those. Uh, we saw McIntyre teaming up with a new day uh, to take on uh, Sheamus, Ridge and Butch. And even Xavier Woods pointed out that these guys have been feuding, had a match on SmackDown for the last 14 weeks. 14, a quarter of it. Um, Simon, is that overkill, do you reckon? Um, I mean, if, if 14 matches can't settle it, then I'm not sure anything will. But I, it is following a bit of a trend at the moment because, well, the card for Hell in a Cell is mainly made up of feuds that have been going on since... A, a WrestleMania or at least Backlash. So it's not too much of a surprise that we're seeing rematch after rematch. Yeah, I think we're out of doubt. Michael Cole celebrated 25 years in WWE and apparently he's only ever had two days off. Uh, Natalia became number one contender in a six-pack challenge. Uh, that actually did happen. And then we get more serious Moss return and laid out court. And like I said, Riddle and Naka lost to the Usos. And uh, news as well, WWE moved the July 2nd Money in the Bank event to the MJ and Grand Garden Arena, having to resell tickets. Um, 
which was, you know, a lot of people have laughed at this because it was going to be a stadium show. But obviously, with UFC uh, fight week taking place there as well. Um, Jack, see, what do you think about them moving? I think it makes sense. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a black eye and it might not be. I think it's the first time they've had to move uh, since WrestleMania 7 with the um, <clears throat> bomb threat. But I think it makes sense, doesn't it? Sorry, who are you asking? You asking that to me? Or? Yes, yes, to you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear you call my name. <laughs> yeah, you're you're completely right there. Yes, yes, I am. See, guys, <laughs> like a smooth world team, me and Jack are here. Uh, we'll move on to Hell in a Cell, June 5th, uh, and we start with a kickoff with Caleb Braxton Booker. Uh, King, Pete Roseberg, and the Irish Kevin on there. They announced uh, that Cody had torn his pec, but he was still scheduled to compete tonight. They aired the Nightmare Factory video as well, which is really strange, seeing the Nightmare Factory on WBTV. Um, and then they aired the Full Mighty diss track. Um, Kevin actually didn't know what a diss track was. King out of touch, but what's changed? See, kind of sit down with Saxton. Um, but before we start, Simon, I will ask you this, seeing as you used to be the, you know, slept match type pod. Uh, Hell in a Cell, does it still work as a concept? So my excitement for the, the card overall wasn't high, but at least this year, the only Hell in a Cell match was actually built towards, as opposed to putting a, a Hell in a Cell match on just because you happen to be in a feud in in June. So I, I think the Hell in a Cell concept, the, the match type certainly works. And if they um, if if they have the discipline to only use it for matches that warrant having a Hell in a Cell match, then I think it it certainly does. Yeah, and the thing for me as well is I've I've heard you know doing the pod quite a few years now, and like you said, when there's a Hell in a Cell with like three Hell in a Cell matches, people go, oh, there's just too many Hell in a Cell matches. And then even with this show, and people going, oh, the women's match should have been Hell in a Cell. It's like, what would you want? Do you, do yeah, you I, want saw, I saw the same thing with people complain, complaining a few years ago that there was three and then only one this year. Yeah. So two is apparently the magic number for Hell in a Cell. Yeah, they're just not happy, but we will move. I feel like it could have been like a named differently. I don't really feel like it needs to be like a pay-per-view that's named Hell in a Cell. Um, I think that it should actually just be left as what it is. Like, it's a match, it's a Hell in a Cell match, and that should be sort of, like, saved for pay-per-view events, but not actually be named after a pay-per-view. I'm not really sure why they still name the it. Pro- the problem is they split them all off, though, didn't they, in the same way you have Money in the Bank should just rock up at WrestleMania or when you're Big Four. Because they started with a splitting off of all of them, they can't. They can't now help themselves. They're just any match type will now get its own full pay per view. Yeah, it's great for us because we've got loads of content to pay for <laughs> if we ever decide to change back. But but this is the thing about. I mean, and I'd have to tell you guys this. You know, Helen Cell, twenty five years old. Uh, in this year, obviously, with the iconic Shawn Michaels Undertaker match, which. You know, you guys will be covering in a couple of months' time by, by the yeah. sounds of it. No um, spoilers, come on. <laughs> spoiler alert. But this is eight, and about 50 Hell in a Cell matches. But the last two, or especially, you know, with this one, I've got Cody versus uh, Seth, and the last one as well, Edge versus Seth. It worked as a kind of feud ending uh, match, which Hell in a Cell should have been. So I think 
maybe they have turned the corner, whether it should be called Hennessel or bring back cool names. But then again, the problem is the cool names of pay-per-views 20, 25 years ago are now names of groups in WWE. So if you want to bring back <laughs> <laughs> Judgment Day or Unforgiven or whatever it is, No Mercy is a perfect name. But again... So we've talked about this a few times on, on our podcast. And one thing that UFC do quite well is, so they'll name it like UFC 276 or whatever, and then it will be taglined by whatever the main event is. And I think for non uh, big four shows that would work quite well so if this one had been called i don't know um rollins versus cody the final time or something like that mm. why 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 does it have to be a name that can be reused every year make it a bit more specific yeah that's an excellent point actually it's something that needs to be uh looked at and of course it will bring that kind of i'm not saying real fight feel to it but even if it was people were buying rollins uh roads free you know, again, like you said, with the boxing parlance as well, I think it does make uh, perfect sense. But we'll get on to the main show. And the first match of the night was the triple threat with Bianca Belair defending the women's title against Oscar and Becky Lynch. And thanks to the intro and the hype video for this belt, the first bell didn't ring to about 15 minutes into the show. I was having flashbacks of double or nothing. But after sending big-time Bex out of the ring, the ESCW and the Empress of Tomorrow squared off and locked up, respectively. First few minutes saw Blair have individual sequences with both opponents before we got to see all three women fight at once. The most impressive part of the performance was how well-balanced it was. All three had ample opportunities to be the one in control. After Lynch hit Oscar with a manhandle slam, Belair threw out the ring and covered the Empress for the win to retain the title. Now, Jackson, I'll go to you first because you're never going to be happy seeing Oscar pinned. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match? Do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm laughing a little bit because um, I didn't actually, I never knew that I was that type of wrestling fan. And what I mean by that is I was, I was presently watching this and this match went hard. All three women were just, you know, pulling out all the stops. Uh, it was just so exciting to watch. You didn't really want to look away because you, you felt like you would miss something. Um, and there was just some great tactics from Bex, you know, just trying to capitalize off of the other two who were actually having, like, you know, a decent match and stuff. And, and it, there was just so much going on. And then the end happened. <laughs> And I can't believe how silent I went really quickly. And I didn't think anything of it until my partner, who clearly was cooking behind me, secretly had re been recording the last moments of, of that match. I am not showing this to anyone. I just <laughs> it on Twitter, right? Because you go from me shouting like, God, you got this, you got this, and all this. And then there are complete, absolute silence. <laughs> I was not happy. I was not happy. Why did Oscar have to take the pin? I'm sorry, but riddle me this. This girl has just come back. Sorry, this woman has just come back. And like the first thing you do is already bury her by having her take the pin when she used to be the one that was undefeated and no one could actually lose her streak. And it's like, oh, I'm, I get so angry because I was thinking to myself in my head. Yeah, Becky will get pinned by Bianca and she's going to be really, uh, like, you know, more downtrodden about it. And then maybe there's going to be some sort of future storyline where Becky can't seem to get her groove back and Bianca is the one that ends up sort of, like, picking her back up and getting her to build her confidence again. I don't know. Maybe I'm a better story writer than the WWE creatives. I just know that that was the wrong move to actually just do that to Oscar. You only pulled her into this triple threat to take the pin. 
dick move, WWE. Right. Dick I move. think it's actually worse than that because it's it, it's her taking the pin. I, I, I I'm not as um, have, don't have the necessarily the same strong feelings about. But when she took the manhandle slam and then 15 seconds later took the pin, that that really yeah. grabbed my gears a bit. Yeah. I, tell, it, it, I think the problem is there's no there's no good one to have pinned. Here, obviously, you can't. You don't have. You're not gonna have Bella lose the title. Asuka, as you say, has just come back. But Becky, I think, when she does the promo about how she's at the absolute bottom and the only way back from this is up, I think they can spin this as the fact that since it was the manhandle slam that actually won, so she'll be she'll probably be pointing out that she's back on the way up because she actually was the reason Asuka's pinned. And if it hadn't been for Bella, she would have uh, took the title back. So I've got a feeling that's how they're going to spin it with her. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I have no doubt. And that could actually even still work. But at the same time, it's also like, but aren't you going somewhere soon, Becky? Because we all have heard those rumours. So did you really need this? Did you re- did? Could she really not afford to just have one pin loss if she's not going to be having like a future run right this moment? Well, Whereas someone, Oscar, who, probably, who has actually kept us all entertained throughout COVID and everything like that, finally comes back just to eat the pin. It just really, really doesn't make sense. Well, we should tell um, Simon and Chris, <laughs> unfortunately, I had the idea early on in the year to kind of go back and look at a WrestleMania, uh, maybe with all of us, you know, to review it. Uh, and I, I picked out WrestleMania 34 where Charlotte beat Oscar. And it was oh. probably the biggest arguments we've ever had on this podcast. So we try not to talk about Charlotte. But obviously you can see there's still some shit going around. <laughs> I mean, it, it's clearly evident that I'm very biased. <laughs> I'm just... I'm just saying. Don't get started on. Don't get started on Charlotte. Charlotte Rhea Ripley. Oh is, gosh. It's just don't. I could. I could rant for about an hour and a half. How shitty a decision that was. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got to do that next year, guys. We've, we've got, to, we've got to have a review. A classic mania. Um, I got to say though, I know Becky Lynch, uh, has got a lot of detractors, but for me. I think she's been on another level since her return. You know, you think about matches, obviously Blair at Mania, Lita beforehand as well, and what she's doing from a promo purpose and in ring uh, is, for me, another level. Speaking of another level, swinging back fists from Oscar. Probably one of my favourite moves of all time because it's like, how does she hit that? Well, she just hits them. That's as simple as that. Blair and Oscar maybe not had the greatest of chemistry, but I think it clicked there as well. Uh, but it was tough watching Oscar getting pinned. So, Jaxie, and I've calmed down a second. What would you score yeah. out of five? I mean, I'm still going to give it like a, a a four and three quarters because it was a, a really decent match between all three women. I'm just very, very bitter about the end. Uh, Simon, what would you score out of five? So I'm giving this one four stars. I thought it was a really good opener. Um, the, the Chicago crowd really enhanced it, I think, as well, because they were fully behind, behind uh, Belair and Oscar. Um, and 
Yeah, I think all three women got a chance to shine at various points. As you say, Asuka with the spinning punches and kicks um, and Bianca Belair doing backflips off the top rope was very impressive throughout as well. But again, like you said, with the Chicago crowd and the shots from WWE production of the crowd to actually see a full arena made it feel like a bigger event as well. And I know that might have something to do with people thinking Bray Wyatt returned, but it did definitely pay off. Uh, Chris, how do you rate that out of five, the first match? Yeah, I'm all, I'm with Sai. I'm also giving this a a four. Thoroughly entertained the whole way through. I will also give special mention to Belair's lovely flame ring gear that she had on, which uh, always nice. Someone goes for a theme of the match. The uh, match pay per view. See, if we get rid of the names of these pay per views, we're not going to be able to have this kind of uh, these kind of fashion accessories. Yeah. Uh, just just one other thing on what people were wearing. So. One thing that I really noticed at the start of this one, so I know obviously WWE have moved towards Velcro titles, which don't get me started on, but um, Belair's title, you know when Velcro gets, starts getting bits of hair and stuck in uh, stuck in it, because the title's white, it's really obvious and it just looks the, like really cheap. So yeah, they need to clean that or, or do something to clean the Velcro up. You'd have thought that they would have done that, though, considering the fact that it is like a, a white background of the belt. So you'd yeah, exactly. that as pristine looking as possible. Or just don't really cheap out and go for a Velcro title, maybe, like you can buy from Toys R Us or whatever. But, you, you just yeah. know, back George, did you clean that belt? Yes, yes, I did. Yes, <laughs> I, fuck, what did I fucking say to you? Uh, oh, uh, anyway, so predictions. We move on predictions. Um, Jaxi, do you know you actually won in your house? Did I? You, fuck, you and Gina beat the NXT experts and got the point. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, I was I guessed all of those because I don't watch it anymore. So I am so pleased with that. That might actually be better than what, how good I did here. Well, we're hoping because at the moment it is Gina, Monty, and myself on three. Jaxie, you're on four. Of course, on to Hell in a Cell and Slap Match Type Pod is joining us, and they took one for the team here. I'm not going to lie because everyone went Belair. And they did go Oscar, just to so with a little bit different. So I appreciate it, but it is 1-0. I will say W&R for now, but that will change as, of course, the night goes on. Uh, poll-wise for this as well, uh, Bianca Belair with 75% of the vote. Uh, the clear winner in this one, Oscar with 17%, just behind her. Uh, we'll move on, and Bobby Lashley versus MVP, and Omos was up next. Nigerian Giant went to the apron so his teammate could start against his former associate, but MVP tagged out before they could make contact. Omos tried to take control, but Almighty did not make it easy for him. In fact, took some help for MVP, holding him in the corner to get Lashley on defence. one point, Omos sent Lashley through the barricade. I say a running tackle. It was more like a delicate push, but again, <laughs> it did this kind of I just thought I must have been very nice to Bobby at that point in time. Uh, Cedric Alexander tried to interfere on the Almighty's behalf after MVP had brushed him off backstage. And that gave him the opportunity he was waiting for. He sent Omos out of the ring with a spear and put MVP in the hurt lock for the win. Uh, Chris, what did you think of this one? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was perfectly fine. It, I think it went down the way that most... Most people would have suspected it was going to. If I could say one overriding thing about this entire pay per view, I think every match 
is booked in a way that if we sat down together, we'd have booked it. I mean, when this one is very much a typical two-on-one, come in, break up the pin, distract the referee kind of way that every, I say every match is kind of plotted out in a fairly one, two, three, four kind of style. As I say, it's it's perfectly fine. I'm, as you say, it's kind of a almost is a gentle jog around the corner to push. <laughs> it's just, it's really weird because he doesn't. I'm not sure whether he's it's because he hasn't got the change of direction once he picks. So that level of pace, but he never really seems to get going when he's on his way around the ring. It still looked, it still looked a decent enough spot. But yeah, as I say, the replays don't always do it justice. But you can see how slow he's actually moving around. But as I say, is it was perfectly fine. I didn't, at least it was short as well. They didn't drag it out forever. And hopefully everyone can now move on and do other things. Yeah. Without, well, this reminded me, I'm showing my age here, of when Ric Flair and Big Show teamed up against some cold and handicap match. And I'm thinking, they're just repeating storylines after 20 years now. I should really start writing this down. Uh, they had all the shortcuts in this. Uh, it was never going to be Flair Steamboat, was it? But like I said, it did the job. They mentioned on commentary, MVP will need at least 12 months with Omos. I think the funniest thing, the crowd loved Bobby. Uh, well, apart from the guy who thought he'd lost his WWE Championship belt, he shit himself once Bobby had picked that up and started taking shots of it. But the guy did get the... I wonder if Bobby is being built up to be fed to Roman at Money in the Bank. Um, Jackson, what do you reckon about that? And what's your score out of five? Yeah, I mean, again, I feel like you guys really covered it well and said a lot of what I would have said. I do feel like it was quite a predictable um, type of handicap match. Uh, obviously, had actually um, presumed, you know, that it was going to work in my favour as I had chosen to go with Omos and kind of thought that it was going to be a sort of two-on-one pummeling, but just goes to show how much I know. Always back the baby face. <laughs> um, what would you score that out of five? Sorry. Oh, um, I'll, I'll give it a, a three. Oh, it was okay. That's not bad. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, I'm giving it a little bit low. I'll give it two and a half. Two and a half. Simon? Um, I thought this one was actually pretty dull. And one issue I had with it was the broken barricade spot has become so overplayed. Like we saw it. Was it on Raw this, oh, this past week in the build for Cody and, yep. and Rollins? Um, it seems to happen every other week now. It's it's complete overkill. Um, yeah, I think I'd give it a two and a half as well. Um, hopefully this means Lashley, we can move away from this feud. But given the Cedric Alexander um, interference, I, I guess maybe it's not done. I mean, was he interfering though? <laughs> he at least came to the ring but yeah sure I think that almost will just put him down and then that will be done like I mean I don't really see Bobby Lashley creating an, like a feud with Cedric over this Cedric is just a jobber at this point it's sad to see but it is Sorry, what I meant was that Omos and MVP sort of have an excuse so they might continue the feud with Lashley oh. rather than Alexander getting involved necessarily I get you now <laughs> uh, Do you know what? You all Oh, this is a great match. This is <laughs> three and three quarters out of five. Just because Omos is shit, and this wasn't a bad match, and I think that's an accomplishment, ladies and gentlemen. When we've got them involved there, so I'm going to give it that. Um, <laughs> the prediction-wise, well, 
Like I said, Jaxie and Jeannie, you did go for Omos, so everyone else was Bobby, Slap so means that Slap Match Type Pod. Jaxie and Gina on one, Monty and myself are on two. Uh, Paul Wise. No choice. What? I'm just mad I didn't go with my original choice. Look, you, first... want, you want NXT, get over it, all right? That, that's what I'm saying. You've got... <laughs> the last time you were moaning that you won, but you didn't get them all right. It's just, you're never happy, are you? I think that's the problem. No, I've got it 10 out of 10, you know? <laughs> um, we shouldn't really be doing this. They're not paying to be counsellors. But anyway, poll-wise uh, for this one, Bobby, 80% of the vote uh, so not a big surprise there. and the third match on the card was a showdown everybody was waiting for between the rate Kevin Owens and a cool comforted Ezekiel the KO looked like he was ready to tear someone's head off as he walked to the ring as Big Zeke caught Owens with a jumping knee to the face immediately followed up with a flying elbow drop wonder what else anybody else thought that was going to be it I nearly did uh, his fighter rolled out the ring to collect himself KO had the upper hand, but he began to taunt Zeke and the crowd while still dishing out as much damage as possible. Momentum did change from one competitor to the other several times, and I guess it helped make the bout feel more competitive than some may have expected. After naming Zeke with a few super kicks, Owens finished him off with a stunner to pick up the win. Simon, what did you think? So, as we've discussed in the past, I'm quite biased and a big Kevin Owens fan. Um, he came out to a huge pop. Um, this feud I've actually quite enjoyed. Um, as I say, I'm biased, but I think anyone else in Kevin Owens' shoes would come off as really annoying. But I feel like him and Sami Zayn and the sort of uh, can, can play the paranoid part quite well. Um, there was some big impact from both men. There was an Ezekiel spinebuster that was sorry, an Elias spinebuster. He's a liar. Um, that was quite impactful. Um, and Kevin Owens hitting the second row at Moonsault and the pop-up set-up powerbomb that he hit was was really good. Um, I was quite surprised to see Kevin Owens when, win, though. Uh, but, yeah, I thought it was a really good show from, from both men. But this is how much of a company man Kevin Owens is. is if it was any other wrestler who kind of lost at WrestleMania, even if it was the main event, you would think, oh, well, they'll pick up a victory. But every single one of us thought Owens would do the job here. And I think it just shows you what a kind of guy Kevin Owens is. And he was bumping around like Mr. Perfect in this match at some points. Like a guy his size is just incredible. Um, and he looked, like I said, he looked fantastic. He's made this, no one else. Is there anybody else we can think of that would actually make this feud work? I can't think of, maybe, maybe Sammy Pete, Zane? Pete Jericho, maybe? Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's tough, you know? Um, so, Simon, what do you score out of five? I'm going to give it three and a half stars. And a half. Chris, what about you, mate? Yeah, I'm giving it. I'm giving it three stars. It was entertaining. Uh, uh, the only issue, as as you're saying there, with Kevin Owens picking the win, is where do you go with it now? You just is this just now done, and we don't we do nothing more with it because Owens is how now somehow absolutely justified in everything he's been saying because he's managed to beat Ezekiel. Well, based on what we were saying earlier, this feud's got at least another 15 weeks to go. <laughs> It'll be another Hell in a Cell match. They should have done do, do WrestleMania 9. They should have got get someone who looks enough like Elias slash Ezekiel just to have them come out and have, have that little bit of kind of, oh, maybe there are two of them. God, oh. surely there must be enough identical wrestlers yeah. that they could have had someone do that. 
Well, Damien Sandow is a perfect guy to be dressed up as Elias. That that you know you for that shot, a couple of minutes that would work, you know. And he's going to be retiring soon, so there is an opportunity. <laughs> they've also announced that they've got a rematch next week on Raw, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right. Yeah. I missed that. So yeah, clearly. Clearly, we're not we're not done. I didn't want to break the news. I didn't want to be like, <laughs> Jaxie, what would you score this out of five? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna give it a three as well. It was enjoyable. I just I also kind of had the same question like, where do we really go from here uh, with this story? Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very kind of happy that KO won because of, I am a huge KO fan as well. But um, I don't really know what's going to happen with this Ezekiel storyline and whether or not Kevin Owens is just going to move on or if he's still going to be irked by the fact that he won't admit he's someone else. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm I'm not sure where, where things are going to go from here. Yeah, well, I'm going to give this a three and three quarters out of five because Kevin Owens won on pay-per-view and you don't know how many more times that's going to happen this year. So let's just make uh, the most of it. Uh, Prediction-wise, we all went seek, so there is no change there at all. And poll-wise, Ezekiel with 53% of the votes. So Owens winning was a surprise. And then up next, we have Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Liv Morgan, Formula Alliance for the match to take on Edge, Ray Ripley and Damian Priest. Of course, Judgment Day. The crowd gave the Babyfaces a great reaction for each of their entrances. The bro broke out between all six competitors. Let's see the good guys sending Edge and Priest out of the ring. Balor and Styles launched Morgan at Ripley to hit Arkham Runner before the former technical partner took her down with a stiff headbutt. Ripley then proceeded to dismantle Morgan for a while. Uh, the Judgment Day cemented their grip on the matches. Different members tagged in from both teams. The crowd popped when Styles got the hot tag and started taking Edge and Priest down with his wild array of signature moves. Once Priest and Ripley helped him regain the upper hand low, Edge drilled Balor with a spear to get the win. Um, Jackson was... Um, I mean, this was all kinds of chaos, but in a good way. I I kind of really enjoyed this match. I think it was just kind of fun uh, to sort of see mixed uh, mixed tag. Um, we kind of all knew this was coming. That's, this is what we've kind of been seeing constantly um, throughout, you know, the past few weeks uh, on Raw. And um, I think it just, like, I think it did its job. It kind of did what it needed to do when it comes to solidifying like ju- the judgment day being like a legit team. Um, although that being said, it just kind of did a 180 like 24 hours later. But I mean, putting that aside, the, the match itself was good. I feel like Rhea Ripley and, and Liv Morgan, no, no judgment on them, but it just kind of felt like they were just there though. Like, I don't know. They let them fight a little bit at the very beginning of the match. And then they had a few sort of interactions in between, but it it kind of it wasn't really about them. So it was just a bit. No, no, yeah, it was out. A bit... yeah. It's like because like, mm. even watching Impact, you just expect them to just get going for it, and you realise, oh, hang on a minute, no, it's, this is kind of WWE way of doing it. Mm. Um, and of course, Ripley's gear was a little bit different because apparently, well, she said on Twitter, I think the gear didn't actually arrive that she had all yeah. this kind of make do outfit. But I mean. I didn't know she had so many leg tattoos. <laughs> you know, like that. Oh, I knew. She's that... obsessed with she's obsessed with tattoos. She did actually say, um, 
I, I can't remember where I heard this, but it was an interview that she was saying that if she could, she'd actually have her both of her arms fully tattooed. But uh, because of WWE, like she's had to keep them all on her legs and stuff. Right, that does make a little bit of sense. Uh, and another crazy thing as well, Edge has now won six pay-per-views in a row with victory. So he's quietly going, building momentum there. And of course, we love the group, hate the name, uh, face for over, but never going to win. But really fun match. Uh, Chris, what would you score that out of five? Uh, I'm going to give that a three and a half. As you say, it's a really, really fun match. I think the problem with Liv Morgan and Ripley in it is when you're going to have that mixed tag team match, the fact that they're going to have to tag out or tag in when the guys tag out is the, you lose all sense of momentum from that occurring. And dip. Yeah. And as, as a final thing, the judgment day is the name is, is fine. If you get rid of the, if I have to hear the judgment day again, it's just, it's like thinking, it's like a, social network with Tim Blake is like get rid of the it's cleaner and it is just judgment day not the yeah so Simon what do you think about the judgment day match <laughs> um, well the match was uh, the right story with the judgment day um, winning I thought the the way they sort of played up the sort of classic heel tag team and, and sort of overrun them with numbers um, was, was the right story to tell um, oh the, the match itself, I'll give three and a half stars for. I don't know if you want to cover what would go on to happen at Raw, where it basically just removes all logic from this. We'll, or... we'll, do, raw, we'll do Raw notes after we finish the uh, paper. Okay. No <laughs> uh, but yeah, three and a half stars I'm giving this one. And uh, Jaxie, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to go with three and a half, but I also agree that it just kind of felt like, you know, 24 hours later and, and it felt like this match was irrelevant, so... <laughs> Well, I'm going to give it a four. Like I said, not a bad match at all. Predictions, we all went Judgment Day. So at the moment, select match type pod. I think Jaxie... you mean the Judgment Day. <laughs> Sorry, the Judgment Day one. Uh, the select match type pod. And Jackson Gene on two. And JR on three. Poll wise, um, <laughs> we see the Judgment Day got 67% of the vote. Um, Bobby backstage asked Cedric why he got involved. Alexander said he did it for him. And I thought it was quite nice. You know, Bobby said, acted like buds and it didn't make Bob, it looked, actually looked quite cool from this. Um, but up next, the happy couple fight yet again as Happy Corbin versus Mad Moss, as it would be no holes barred. Moss wasn't smiling and he looked a lot more excited though than his former friend. And they circled each other a bit before they started throwing punches. There's no lock-up or exchange of submissions. This was a brawl. They used chairs, steps, the announce table, barricade, and anything else they could uh, find to inflict damage on each other. Crazily enough, the crowd actually liked this. Uh, but the best bit was Corbin. Because they're chanting, we, got, we want tables. And they nearly ruined it last month. for some only backlash during it. I think during the Charlotte match. Corbin went under the ring, got table, and went, nah. And then that reaction was fantastic. Uh, but the end was Moss putting the chair around Corbin's neck and slamming the bigger half still steps onto it before pinning him. It was a brutal spot and, of course, payback for the Andre Giant trophy. Um, Chris, what did you think of this? I was going to say, what do you mean surprised the crowd? Like, this match was superb. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> this this is exactly what I want for a no-holds-barred match. If They should not be... Lockups and counter wrestling. 
no holds barred should be them absolutely beating the crap out of each other with anything that isn't nailed down. And that is exactly what we got. I love the fact that they seem they didn't hold back in the way that we've been so used to WWE doing with the no holds barred matches. When was the last time they really did anything as severe as the chair around the throat for fear of their losing their rating or having kids accidentally kill each other? Well, if that is true, like I, said, I enjoyed it, but I know a lot of people maybe. I mean, Jackson, would it be fair? You weren't looking forward to this match. Um, I mean, I wouldn't say I wasn't looking forward to it. I just, I genuinely forgot that it was even on the card. Um, I know it was like kind of but last minute, but I, I kind of was over this feud before it even started. I'm just not a huge, I'm just not a huge Corbin fan. Um, I do think he works really hard, but I'm just not a huge Corbin fan. So this to me, I was just kind of like, I'm hoping that this is going to be over and, you know, Moss can move on to something else. I quite like it to see both men be in a, a complete separate match that doesn't involve one another. So exciting times, I suppose. Well, this was SmackDown's only match and Michael Cole, like I said, doesn't have any days off, showed up. That was to show up to call one match on this one. Uh, great production video from WWE for the build-up for this. And I've, I've, I've watched SmackDown. I'm thinking they've made it so much better uh, through this. Um, and Jaxie, this might annoy you, but would it be fair to say that Moss is WWE's Wardlow? I mean, you could actually argue that. I, I mean, I could actually even say, you know, um, we could also kind of... Uh, argue as to whether or not um uh Rick Boogs could have probably possibly been that sort of like AE, uh, WWE's version of Wardlow but M- Moss is definitely the kind of leaning towards that way isn't he? uh you know he might not have the same sort of aggression when it comes to being in the ring with uh like naturally but you saw a lot of aggression come out of him um, during this match and he just let loose. And I think WWE need to do this more and they need to let, let him run wild. Um, He seems to be really in his element when he can just kind of, uh, you know, no holds barred. So it it would just be quite interesting to see uh, whether or not they actually will invest in him and actually continue to build him up like they're doing at the moment. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Like I said, Moss looked really good in this. But again, a chair around the neck used to be months off. And now it's just a spot, the main spot in the match. Uh, the finish did look great, though. Uh, we'll go around. So, Chris, what would you score this out of five? Uh, four stars from me. Four stars. Simon? I'm going three stars. If it was a physical match, um, it was the only, um, the, the, there could only be one winner the way they're setting Moss up. And they've got a great opportunity now to set him up as a big deal, which almost certainly means he'll be released in October or around that sort of time. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, Jackson? Yeah, I'm going to give it a three and a half. Yeah, I'm going to give it three and three quarters. Like I said, this was a really entertaining match. Predictions, we all went Moss. So, select match type. Jaxie Gina on three, Monty and myself on four. Poll-wise, well, it looks like Mad Cut Moss was the clear favourite there with 91%. That might be the biggest poll 
that we've ever seen Ow. victory wise there 91 percent. my god so up next theory versus mustafa ali for the united states championship and the champion was out first both men were wearing red white and blue gear but that had the chicago flag as part of his um fans of course at the all-state arena these two guys are known for their conditioning and athleticism so it didn't take long for them trading quick takedowns and counters he played up to his heel persona by talking trash. Ali would get short bursts of offense, but his opponent controlled the pace. Once Chicago native started to build up ahead of steam, the crowd started to come alive. When he put fear in the STF, the title holder barely managed to reach the ropes to force a break. But once he regained his composure, Fury hit his finisher to get the win and retain his belt in Ali's hometown. Um, Simon, what did you think of this match? Yeah, I thought it was a decent technical match. It went at some pace, as you say. A um, couple of highlights were the Spanish fly that Theory did, uh, sort of jump into the top rope um, and almost slingshotting himself off it. And um, Mustafa Ali hit a really nice tilt-a-whirl DDT. Um, a couple of because th- we've not um, discussed Theory, because I, I don't think he'd made his debut by the Hell in a Cell this time last year. But the biggest mistake they've made, and I don't know why I'm surprised because it's happening all the time now, but... Austin Theory is a much better name than just Theory. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think um, WWE needs to just stop with the name shortening. Now, if he had, you know, originally debuted as Theory, I don't think it would be so much of an issue. But there's so many people that constantly are, are referring to him as Austin Theory. It's just like what they did with Mustafa Ali. Yeah. They tried to take away his first name. And it didn't sit right. It just didn't feel right. They did the same with Buddy Murphy. Like they just the stopped doing that. Now as well, haven't they? It is the same yeah, with exactly. him. yeah, I mean, Big E Langston. I miss Langston still. You know, we talk. Yeah, about... yeah. <laughs> it's it's oh, weird man. though because Austin Theory's finisher is still called what is it? A A Town Down. Where's the A come from? <laughs> well, the thing is, even his trunks have got A T on them. Like, yeah. he should really I'm not buying change. more. Yeah. <laughs> Music entrance starts with like A Town. You know, like where's where? What is this A? Asshole. But I, I, I'm. He is like the annoying smarmy heel that people love to hate, and I think it's a, a pretty good character to play up the sort of. Uh, taking selfies, um, self-obsessed sort of heel persona. That um, I, I think he's he's a good addition to the roster. Well, it's okay. cr- sorry, but asked- go on. sorry. Somebody answered me this: How the hell did WWE get that selfie so quickly to post it on the? Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> he must be connected his phone to the projector. <laughs> like... Walked up the picture to like the the producer and was like, "Here you go." <laughs> I don't know how quickly he managed to do that. I bet I imagine. I imagine they're probably out there before. I bet. I bet. I'd say Austin Fear. I imagine Fury is now annoyed he has to turn up five hours before everyone else, whoever is wrestling, to take a photo before he goes. Everyone else is chilling in the hotel. He's sitting there in the arena. Just yeah, no worries. Empty arena. Quick selfie. Back home. Done. Well, at least he's not backstage with the photos accidentally going up on the big screen, you know, with parents covering their children's eyes and stuff like this. Who knows? <laughs> no, no, not that photo. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Fairy, just with the United States title. Uh, but it, it's weird, again, and I don't want to be positive here because obviously this is a WWE show, but if you look at Moss, if you look at Fairy, you've got two guys there that they could build towards the future and actually be stars. And with Fairy, the... I know the comparisons to Randy Orton or John Cena, but 
he has got everything at this moment in time. You know, like I said, a perfect hill, beating Ali in Chicago where he shouldn't have done. And, you know, the, the rumours are a match with Cena. Win or lose at SummerSlam, Theory at this moment is a made man. You just wonder where it could possibly go wrong, you know? Um, I mean, anyway, Simon, what do you think of that? And what would you score out of five? Yeah, so as I say, um, I thought it was a decent technical match at a hell of a pace. I'm giving this one three and a half stars. Three and a half, Chris. Yeah, absolutely agree. As I say, top notch technical uh, wrestling, non stop, end to end action. Three and a half stars for myself. I would say with theory as well, as you say, we're, we're not sure where it will go wrong, but the thing is, he's got so much time on his side as well. Yeah. Let's face it, a lot of these people. When they're when we're looking at them saying, "Oh, they're breaking through and getting that push," then they're early thirties. So to be only twenty-four and have that much time on his side, hopefully, big things. Yeah, without a doubt, Jackson. What you scored out of five? I'm also going to give it a three and a half. It was uh, there were some pretty good spots in there, um, but I kind of already knew the outcome, even though it was in Mustafa Ali's hometown. Yeah, three and a half for me. I nearly went. Ali, and then I realised it was WWE, so they were never going to do that. Uh, so Gina did go Ali, everyone else theory. So predictions, it means Gina's on three, slap match type pod, and Jaxie on four, Monty and myself on five, with just uh, one match to go. But the polls on that, theory with 61%. And then the main event, Hell, Cody Rose versus Seth Rollins. And to mess with his opponent's head, Rollins decided to wear black gear with yellow polka dots by Dusty Rose when he was forced to wear that in the WWF. And we thought that might have been the craziest revelation or reveal of the night until the American Nightmare removed his jacket. And it became apparent of how injured he really was. I, I cannot explain this without people seeing it. It was a massive bruise on his chest and arm, all kind of red and different colours as well. I mean, Simon, is this the craziest thing you've ever seen in wrestling before a match had actually started? Um, I was thinking about this because I, I showed my wife um, the, the the bruising around um, just to show like how injured that he was. I know, so in, in true tribute to Triple H, as uh, Cody seems to, to do only, only deal in these days, he tore his pec in a match, but not before. So, yeah, I was struggling to think of of, a, of another one that was in the build-up to the match. And I, I just wonder how much different this match would have been if Cody was uh, even close to 100%. Mm. This was fucked up. Like, even, like I said, before a match, I'd, I've never, ever seen... The, for his the, the other thing about his injury, so they mentioned on commentary about halfway through the night that um, he uh, suffered a partial tear um, in the brawl on, on the Monday before, and then he was doing his workout before the match. If I've got a partially ten, torn pec, <laughs> I'm not going to be doing bench presses and things. So, yeah, you'd think he'd have gone maybe slightly easier on his pec, but... Yeah, what are your thoughts on the sort of... Because um, I've seen a lot of people saying how irresponsible it is um, and other people saying if it was AEW, then people would be um, 
slagging off uh, Tony Khan for letting him compete, whereas Vince is a genius for doing it. Where, where do you sit on on this one? I I don't want to be controversial, but Vince has had wrestlers die on the show and continue, so it's not that much of a surprise. Again, I'm not saying it's just because it's WWE. I was shocked they allowed it, but then again, yeah. would it? I think would it create conflict <coughs> between Cody and WWE so early on, you know, where they've just built this partnership. And I think it's incredible that they would allow this to happen. I think if it was anybody else apart from Cody, even if he said, I want to do this, then surely the doctor's going, you can't. But what I'm hearing as well is that, well, it couldn't have been more damaged, so to speak, because it was completely ripped off. It was just due to pain management, which again, 25 minutes of the Hell in a Cell is probably not going to help things. Um, I, th- I also think, you know, just to kind of add my sort of two cents in, I was actually, I saw him take it off and I was like, how was he medically cleared to be doing this? Um, but secondly, I also thought to myself, do you know what? I could actually see Vince being like, it's okay, it's just a scratch. You could deal with it. You're the main event. You have to you have to wrestle, whether, regardless as to whether you like it or not. And yeah, Tony might get slack for it, but I don't think that we should easily let like the company off the hook for actually putting their wrestler at risk like this because, you know, yeah, they, they, he couldn't do any more damage, but what he could do is actually do permanent damage to himself. Yes, uh, yeah, but I, I think that was more Vince. Vince would have rather said, no, we'll just put another match out. And it was Cody going, no. Whereas, should the wrestler make that decision is another thing entirely. I was No, like, well, the, comp- the, company should be, the company should be stepping in yeah. and making that decision. They should be strong enough mm-hmm. to actually step out there and go, no, we're not clear yet to compete and we'll sort things out later. It's just... But sure, I, 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 I know, I know like, back, but surely he hasn't got that much power there already through whatever deal he's got that he's able just to throw himself out there even when he's not medically clear. Yeah, I can also just see, I, I don't know if this is me reading a bit too much into things as well, though, but, you know, with the recent news that we got on AEW uh, last week um, with CM Punk and, you know, like how he's had to sort of vacate due to injury as well, I can't help but feel like maybe not just maybe not even maybe just Vince, maybe other officials, maybe even Cody himself would have gone, no, look, Punk just did that this week. Like if, if I'm going to go off injured, I'll go off injured after the pay-per-view. I'm not, I'm not going to just air it out on Friday night and be like, Oh guys, I can't do the, the pay-per-view two days away. Do you see what I mean? So I feel like there's, there's like some pressure that maybe coming from them, not just from a, oh, his health point of view, but pressure coming from, the fact that AEW's like, right, they, they, they've just lo- lost Punk. We need to kind of keep everyone. Do you see what I mean? I think it's more, like I said, the, the case is with, with the wrestler back in the days, you know, the, the whole thing of wrestlers wrestling injured or, you know, or put a bit of tape in it and whether it is in the 80s, even into the, you know, the 90s and noughties. But like you say, well, like we're saying here, it should have been taken out of his hands. It shouldn't be a talent's... Uh, responsibility to go out there and like I said for me personally it's the most shocking thing I've ever seen before a match with a wrestler like that and you think as well as we mentioned how much more damage it could potentially do you know where it would be a couple of months to compare to six months now uh, I just think it's fucking crazy (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, anyway 
they did make it part of the story. So Rollins kept trying to hit him in the chest. Uh, Rose did his best to avoid it. The visionary uses a kendo stick to attack the arm and the peck. I'm going to be making notes, and I'm just watching it with like my hands and my face just in awe of what I'm seeing. I cannot believe uh, that we're doing it. I mean, it looked like trying to look after him, but fuck me, it was still sick. For me, it was worse than Jeff's earring. I don't know if any members Orton and Jeff Hardy in Hell in a Cell. For me, this was the even scru- worse. screwdriver through the year, yeah. <laughs> this was even worse. No, I still think Cody's was worse. Yeah. Yeah, this is this was this was fucked up, man. I mean, like I, I've I've watched a fair share of stuff, and even me, I was getting uncomfortable. You know, uh, we visually slowed the match down, obviously quite a bit. Brought out a weight belt. He even brought a table to the ring, but ended up going through it himself for a fog splash with Rose moving out of the way. Uh, American Nightmare found a bull rope under both men, of course, went to it. Uh, and then we had several near falls, stolen finishes and painful spots, like Rose going through a table. And finally, I mean, even a crossroads looked like it fucking hurt, you know. Um, and after he hit a couple, he then used the sledgehammer because, of course, uh, they're both Triple H's sons. Uh, and used it to defeat Rollins and win for a third time. We do need more cowbell, but Jaxie, what did you think of this match? Um, I think this was probably one of the hardest matches that I had to watch. I say had to watch, that I wanted to watch. Um, You can tell that there was no way he was making any of that up. Not only was the colouring just, you know, not something that can be done and kept permanently there by makeup, but the whole swelling of his arm was just out on show. So every move that Seth was doing, I was wincing at and I was just, you know, trying not to look away, but I, I really couldn't help it at certain times. It just, I could feel the pain coming from Cody and I'm like, that's not a fake shout. That is real. So it was, it was hard to watch this match, but I also enjoyed it a lot. And I can't deny that the ending, um, ending it with a, with a pedigree didn't actually kind of fill me up a little bit of satisfaction because there were so many like subtle triple H references constantly throughout the match. Um, so yeah, I, I, I did overall enjoy it, but I painfully enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, Cody's been looking for that pedigree for about a year now. So it's good that he's finally, uh, he hit it. (laughs) But I guarantee you AEW fans are pissed. Like why the fuck didn't you bring that in AEW? Well, even, even Seth Rollins, you know, the build up to the feud saying, I won't let Cody smash my throne. And kind of using that, what he did in AEW yeah. in the story here. And Seth mm-hmm. might actually be a wizard, not Jericho, getting a match of this quality. And I would talk about as well. Imagine what the match would have been without this injury. Imagine what we saw with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Seth might be 0-6 in his last two feuds, but two classic Hell in a Cell matches. I mean, Simon, this was crazy. Yeah, um, I mentioned it. It would have been really interesting to see how it went, but it was still very impressive for both men. I think uh, Cody's obviously going to get a lot of credit from this, but a lot of credit has to go to Seth as well because although although he um, he was in pain, I think you could sort of see that Seth was making an effort to take care. If that makes sense, like he wasn't slamming him onto that side or anything, and. Yeah, I I think a lot of credit does need to go to Seth here. Um, You mentioned in the build to this as well, and someone pointed out to me um, a few months ago, and I can't can't get it out of my head whenever Rollins is on screen now, but since he's brought in his laugh, um, Waluigi every single time pops into my head. (laughs) Oh my God, 
And now you'll never be able to forget it either. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I I really enjoyed the the whole feud has been really simple and effective. And it's been weird to see, as you mentioned, them referencing um, things that you would think would be off limits. But yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it, even if it was a little bit uncomfortable because of the injury. Yeah, I mean, Chris, were you you were uncomfortable during as well? You weren't you weren't loving it. <laughs> no, I, I mean, uncomfortable as the risk, the Cody. Yeah, the, I mean, for the actual match itself, I didn't. I was quite happy. I was quite happy to see they brought the injury into play and actually went with it. I mean, I showed I showed the injury to my hardcore horror fan wife, and even she winced. Well, I explained he'd ripped it off, pretty much ripped it off completely. So, yeah, even hardcore horror fans were slightly wincing about that. I just say with Seth there, size, well, the amount of trust that they must have placed in him to not make the injury far worse. And as you say as well, it's with obviously Rhodes knows he's done it and he knows he's got this injury and he didn't want to make it worse. But how much that must that have messed with Rollins' head before you go out there? They say, right, okay, so you got this match, we've got it planned. They then go, okay, well, your opponent ripped his peck off, but you're still going to go out there and work with him. It's, it's crazy because the thing is, even when Cody was throwing the jabs right at the start, and I'm thinking, oh, what kind of fucking match is this going to be? And then through all the shortcuts, whatever else they did, they turned it into real compelling storytelling. And... I think everybody was just so worried about Cody and Seth. It's just, he's, you know, him, his past year, even though he's won nothing, so to speak, he's been the best aspects of WWE television, whether it be even at the Rumble, you know, the Shield, um, coming up, Shield entrance, even now with the dusty stuff. And he is such a good heel and such a strong character that he can lose, like I said, these three matches. And still be as beloved or a threat conceivable to a title match tomorrow, you know? Mm. Uh, but anyway, this Cody got on the mic afterwards and said it was his choice to wrestle. I guess there was a little disclaimer in there, and uh, we'll probably get with, more... Vin, with Vince telling him <laughs> yes, to hold a picture of today's newspaper up in front of the screen. God damn, you tell everybody it was you. Um, four to six months it should be, but. I mean, he could be like a medical Marva, a la John Cena, a la John Cena, and come back maybe sooner. Uh, but out of five, uh, for me, this was quite simply a five-star matchup. Jaxie, what do you reckon? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I'm, I gave it a four and uh, three quarters. Simon? Same for me, four and three quarters. And finally, Chris? I gave it four and a half. Uh, so that is it for Hell in a Cell. We'll do predictions. We all went Cody for the final scores. It's Gina on four, Jackson Select Match Type Pod on five, and Monty and myself on six. So we do get the win, which means now W paid for you scores. Gina on three, Jaxi, Monty, myself on four. That's how tight it is, Jaxi, you see? And you didn't want to do NXT. Uh, you see how how close it can be at the top. It's very true. Uh, Poll-wise for that one, Cody Rose with 68% of the vote. Uh, Overall, I mean, does having Roman Reigns missing affect this show? I mean, I don't know. I was quite happy 
with WWE using a pay-per-view, a pay-per-view to build a babyface. Kind of makes a refreshing change. But I'm sure shit wouldn't have been competed, you know. Um, this, again, was a good show overall. The women's title and the, ma- the pay-per-view started off with a banger. Women's title stole the show again. Crowd was great um, and sold out. And it actually made more money than Double or Nothing. But like we said, how much was due to the Bray Wyatt return rumours. Um, we'll ask everybody how do they rate it out of 10. So, Jackson, I'll start with you. What would you rate Hell in a Cell out of 10? I'm going to give this a good 7. I enjoyed uh, each match. I don't think that they were, you know, clear 5 out of 5 matches, but I still enjoyed them. And Simon, what was your score out of 10? So I had low expectations, as I said at the start, um, because of the amount of rematches and stuff, hangovers from WrestleMania and Backlash, but it really exceeded my expectations. Hell in a Cell for me was a match of the night. Ridiculous effort from Cody, as I say. Um, I do think not having Reigns there, but still having Reign, um, a Reigns vignette halfway through the show was weird, and it it almost highlights the fact that the, the top guy isn't there, so... That detracts from it slightly, so I'm going to give it a seven as well. I mean, how shit are those? I will ask Simon as well because we're a fan of kind of promos and putting stuff in for a reason. What is the point of having these video packages, either Bianca Belair or Roman Reigns? It's just killing time, isn't it? It's like I, I sort of got the one. So there was the Rollins one partway through the show, but that was sort of to build into the into the main event. Whereas having the Reigns one didn't add to anything other than look at what you could have won, basically. Um, and the Bel Air one was about halfway through the show as well, after she'd already appeared, so it was a bit odd. Um, just one thing, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention right at the start. So the promo package, the opening uh, intro, did you notice that all of the old cell footage, so they had like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels laid out, there was Undertaker and Mankind, but they'd put a filter on to make the, the old cell look red, which... I am not a fan of in the slightest. <laughs> do you know what? I didn't even notice that, but it's just, why Why do they have to do it for? I do not understand. Um, I mean, the Hell in a Cell is not a bad, like I said, the way it looks, but it'll never be when we saw it kind of for the very first time. Um, Chris, what would you score that out of 10? I've gone the same as those guys. I've given it a seven as well. There's a couple of really great matches on there. Even the worst match, the Bobby Lashley one, was uh, wasn't awful. So if, if I get through WWE pay per view and the worst match is average, then I consider that a good night, and that's the seven. Yeah, I mean for me, like I said, I really enjoyed this. It's great that we weren't there for nearly five hours watching the pay per view. Uh, again, every match did deliver for me, uh, so I'm going to give that an eight and three quarters out of ten. Uh, really, really good stuff for me. I would assume, obviously, all our uh, matches of the night was the main event. And also, with MVP, of who impressed you most, I think we've all got to say Cody. <laughs> I think that would be fair. I mean, yeah. so I, I, I am just going to stop you right there. I am going to say my MVP is Cody, but I actually am going to say my match of the night was the triple threat women's match because of I just really enjoyed all three of them. And I think that they were really showcased well and they really set the, the tempo and the pace for uh, Hell in a Cell. So um, I'm going to go with that for my match. 
Excellent. And uh, like I said, Cody Rose there, unbelievable stuff. Right, finally, we're going to do some raw notes because we did have raw. Uh, Cody started the show teasing he may be back for money in the bank. Uh, a lot of people were kind of moaning about this scene. It was only four weeks away. And Seth Rollins arrived, called him the toughest superstar he's been in the ring with. And his family will be proud. And then attacked him with a sledgehammer, as you would do. <laughs> so Rollins got the heel heat back. And Cody looks like he will be missing uh, money in the bank, which is a shame. But I will, I mean, Simon, does this work out? Because a rumble return, that pop for Cody will be fire. Yeah, I think that's the, the key. Even if he's back in, I don't know, November... They need to have a bit of restraint and, and keep him till till the rumble, I think. Um it is sad that we won't get to see him in, in Cardiff, but um yeah, that that pop's gonna be something else um, when he when he comes out. I didn't yeah. think of that. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, damn it. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that was yeah. Um what I, I I'm not a huge fan of the um Rollins attacking him because it feels like we're going to go straight back into this feud when it was a quite decisive 3-0 win for Cody. So, yeah, what I really don't want to happen is Cody come back and they jump straight back in with another two or three matches against each other. I, I hope that isn't the case. Well, unbelievably as well on Raw, Dana Brooks beat Becky Lynch, which is a sentence I'd never thought I'd actually read out. Um oh. Hold on, hold on, what, hold on. Go on. Wait, what? Yeah. You have the likes of Dana Brooke being able to pin Becky Lynch, but Becky couldn't take a pin at, at like, 24 hours before. Uh, well, I will say Oscar did come out to help Dana Brooke and held Becky's leg down. So, I mean, it was a victory in the kind of, you know, in the history books as it was, but continuing. For the 24-7 title as well, let's not uh, let's Oh, not sorry, forget. yeah, I don't want to... Don't want to diminish the 24-7 title, do we? No, don't want to forget about that. Uh, Yeah, so looks like Becky Lynch now and Oscar will be fighting 24-7 title, which is what we all wanted, you know? That's the dream. Brooke versus Oscar and Lynch at the next pay-per-view. Book it now, please. Uh, And then we had Judgment Day, and they revealed that, uh, that Balor was the newest member of the group. The prince joined him in the ring and said he finally sees things clearly. He thanked Ripley and Priest for helping him open his eyes. And then Priest said the last thing holding them back was Edge. What? He proceeded to hit the rated R superstar with a mic. All three members of Judgment down. Put him through an announce table. Coup de grade him. Payback uh, with the steel chair as well. Uh, unbelievable stuff. Uh, Chris, we spoke about it earlier. Judgment Day now with with edges out, battles in. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, if they're building, if they want to build it long term for the future, it's probably a smart thing to do. The way they've done it and just suddenly you're out of the group is pretty. That's pretty poor, to be honest. But uh, there's, it's hard to remove someone like that and build it as a long-term storyline, but it's, I don't know. We'll, we'll see going forward with them. I think the three, the three of them there, if they do keep it going and they keep as heels and it keeps getting darker and they keep building this heat with them, then I'm hopeful we could get a new ministry but, or we could end up with 
late era nation of domination if they do it wrong. So who knows? This this was really shocking, you know, and there's not many things that happen that do shock me. And I think taking Edge out of this, my only thinking is maybe uh, because Cody's missing, they need another face and to turn Edge. But again, did feel a bit too soon. But it all depends if you know, a lot of people are saying now they could turn into like retribution. Uh, but it would be interesting to see kind of what hap- ha- happens there. From from my point of view, even though I found this quite shocking because I felt like, okay, well, Edge didn't lead very long. Like, what were you trying to do there? Um, I do think that this is actually some good news for Finn Balor. I feel like he's just been stuck in a bit of a rut lately. And, and that's not saying like he himself is, but like with the company, I don't think really think that they've known what to do with him. Um and I just think this might be a bit refreshing having like a, a heel Balor, you know? Um, so even though I'm a little bit disappointed because I don't feel like Edge fully got to uh, express himself in a heelish way, you know, for a decent amount of time. Like I think he was the leader for like 60 days, which isn't long at all. Um, at the same time, I'm excited to see where things go from this for Balor because it's about time that he actually, you know, had something fresh and new to to get on with. And you, yeah, you mentioned uh, something, James, around they might look at um, turning Edge face uh, to replace Cody, essentially. But how is that going to work in terms of uh, a storyline? Because he, it's, his uh, motivation for turning his back was very clear. And what, he suddenly changed his mind because he's been kicked out of the group. It, yeah, it, there's... You're going to need a, quite a big logic um, or a big step in logic to get around that. Yeah. And I think Edge as well, well, personally, always worked better as a heel. I thought we've seen some really good stuff from him recently. And the long term with Priest, I thought was the goal. So it'll be interesting to see. But again, I'm not going to complain that Raw gave me something that I wasn't expecting, you know, in a good way. Mm. But. Let's see him fuck up in a couple of months. You know, we just, <laughs> just like, we don't know. Um, finally, Ripley became the number one contender. So we are Ray Ripley versus Bianca Belair at Money in the Bank. So that can only be good, Jaxie. I mean, I, I, I'm very pleased by this. And I say it like that because I remember the, was it a gauntlet match um, a while back? Um, and I'm pretty sure that it was, you know, kind of finally left down between Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. And in that short amount of time, they had everyone riled up. Everyone was so excited watching them. And it was just great to actually see these two powerhouses in the ring showing what they can do. Um, so I'm excited for this, definitely. Yeah, without a doubt. Like I said, the interaction when they were last two in the Rumble as well. So I remember. So hopefully this could be a great feud over the summer uh, but that is it for now my god another pod just gone by um who would have thought that i mean don't forget we're across all social media twitter at the dublin podcast i'm at the dublin jr you can find the entire dublin team on twitter is anybody anything else to say about helen cell or raw or should we leave it there Nothing to say about Hell in a Cell or Raw, but don't forget we've got King of the Ring 97 coming out tomorrow as we record this. And then next month we've got Canadian Stampede, which Chris was saying he doesn't think he's seen before. So, yeah, we're in for quite a treat in terms of 
Brett taking um, his anti-American uh, stick to Canada where he'll get a hero's welcome, I'm sure. Well, not only that, the Mankind Triple H match is fantastic. That whole show is brilliant. Um, well, I'll say, well, I'm going to get you to plug your stuff in a minute, so don't worry about that. So, All right, Jackson, okay. Jackson, where can people find you? Yep, if you want to continue listening to me bitch and moan about wrestling whilst I also still love it at the, with all of my heart, um, you can find me at Jaxie Scarlett across both Instagram and Twitter. Okay, Simon, take it away. Where can everybody hear you? Oh, go on, you? I'll let Chris talk. He's probably sick of me, <laughs> sick of me <laughs> doing it. No, sorry, you, uh, you do it so well, and You've got the slick show in the style. Uh, we're at Select Match Pod across Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, generally, we're just there to have a laugh and look at things that happen in the past. Perfect. Well, don't forget the Dublin R across, uh, also on Facebook and Instagram, across all Google platforms. Send us an email at Dublin Podcast at gmail.com, YouTube, Dublin Podcast, for all the latest clips. Podcasts at the same time on YouTube to do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify and iTunes, where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So, that is it. Our next episode will be NXT Update with Monty featuring in your house. Uh, but, and I'll tell you what, guys. Now, you know, it's been too long. We should not leave it a year. I was thinking maybe, obviously, we've got Clash at the Castle coming up in September. But how about you guys join us for maybe a pre-show party or something like that, if it works with you? Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, awesome. I mean, like I said, we'll see what happens. We'll work yeah, we'll be happy out. to come back on the way. Yeah, well, like I said, Chris, it's always great to have you on, and Simon as well. It's always good to have a, a you know... A, because sometimes me and Jaxie can be a bit too, you know, I'd say opinionated, but it's nice that we're not going crazy and we can get visitors to come around as well. It's nice, Jaxie, isn't it? That it's not, you know, we're not going crazy. With double- we are likeable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's what you took out of the... We've uh, <laughs> not driven you away. That is basically what I was trying to say. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's going to be a big couple of months of the WNR and hopefully, like I said, Slept Match Start podcast uh, with their new stuff, like I said, 25 years to life. will definitely come back and enjoy us. Jaxie, you'll be back soon as well for our, uh, Forbidden Door, I think it is next time, but I will let you know. But that is it for now. I have been Jay's Rollins. Thanks for listening, everybody, and bye. 